episode 213, Using Digital Medicine to Solve for Social Determinants of Health. Today, I speak with Louis Morrow from IRIS and Tiffany Wandy from LifeBridge Health. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know, talking. Relentlessly seeking value. First up in this interview is Lewis Morrow. Lewis is the sales director of the East region at IRIS, which stands for Intelligent Retinal Imaging System. Lewis overviews the IRIS solution, which is the context we need to set up my conversation with Tiffany Wandy from LifeBridge Health. Tiffany is the executive director of the LifeBridge Health Clinically Integrated Network and operational director of their ACO. If you are a health system or other provider executive looking for insight into how to effectively roll out a digital medicine solution that produces measurable results, including better patient outcomes, satisfaction, and quality metrics, you've come to the right place. My name is Stacey Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. Lewis will begin by giving a very brief overview of what is IRIS. Sure. So thanks for the opportunity to share that with you. So IRIS is a, essentially a comprehensive solution that's really designed to be an end-to-end tool to help primary care practices better identify diabetic eye disease amongst their diabetic population. It's been an approach that's been in place for decades, asking diabetic patients to go see their ophthalmologist to get a very necessary annual eye exam to track the progression of that disease, which is very common amongst the diabetic population. But we know historically that most of those diabetics, more than half are non-compliant to that diabetic eye exam, which leads to a, a host of downstream impact. So what IRIS does is we've developed a comprehensive solution which involves not just a software platform, although that's important. It's also not just a piece of hardware, a camera to capture that. Frankly, the camera is the easiest part of what we do. It's more of the comprehensive approach that includes helping with patient identification all the way through reimbursement through various tools that we offer, such as algorithm-based image enhancements, a reading center, which provides interpretive services, the platform itself, which of course assists in the efficiency of that tool, but ultimately it's all designed to help us achieve our mission, which is to end preventable blindness. Diabetic retinopathy is the number one cause of preventable blindness in the U.S. today. And the shame of it all is that 90% of it is treatable if we just identify it early. So IRIS provides primary care that tool to identify diabetic retinopathy earlier so that we can treat it and prevent vision loss. As far as what Iris looks like in clinic, is it like a little booth? Is it a cube with a camera in it? What does it look like? Right. So it can look like a number of different things, but generally speaking, it's a very unintrusive piece of hardware that's a fundus camera that captures an image of the retina, the back of the eye. There are a number of different types of hardware. Tiffany will speak about a handheld camera versus a tabletop those have differing types of footprints. It is uh, something that doesn't take up a lot of space, and it, it also doesn't take a lot of time in that an exam takes less than five minutes to conduct. And that's based on not only 
the ability of the camera to do its job, but also the training and the level of expertise that Iris provides to the staff in that clinic that really makes them confident in dealing with that diabetic patient that maybe they would have been intimidated otherwise through a fancy piece of equipment. Got it. And okay, so click goes the camera. The information goes right into the EHR because it's integrated. There's nodding. And then on the back end, the report goes because you had said there's a, a service. There's a reading service. Correct. And that report gets generated by somebody at Iris. Right. So let's pick it up from there where the image is captured and then that image is transmitted to our cloud-based platform, which we're partners with Microsoft Azure and they're our cloud hosting partner. So from that point, a couple of things can happen. Depending on the design of the program, our client's internal ophthalmologist could be involved, as is the case with LiveBridge, or we also offer a fully staffed reading center that provides licensed ophthalmologists to provide that interpretation services. All of that's done, whether it's a client ophthalmologist or an iris ophthalmologist, the interpretations are performed on the iris platform. From there, that platform automatically generates a result. It's a diagnostic result, which is supported by our FDA level of clearance. And then with the EMR interface in place, we return those results back to our clients in the form of discrete structured data that is really invaluable when it comes to reporting all of these value-based initiatives and measuring the impact of having that exam in primary care. And now let's flip this over to Tiffany Wandy from LifeBridge Health. Tiffany, could you give us a little background on who you are and on LifeBridge Health? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Tiffany Wandy. I work for LifeBridge Health. We are a Maryland-based healthcare system. We have four hospitals and 100 or so ambulatory sites. I'm the executive director of the Clinically Integrated Network, as well as the operational director of our ACR Accountable Care Organization. You know, why don't we just start the story out at the beginning? The day that you realized that maybe doing diabetic retinopathy checks in primary care or in clinic might be a good idea. Like, when did that realization dawn? Absolutely. So we have been in conversations with Iris for about two years or so now. This came out of a data analysis. So going through a lot of our quality scores and trying to identify where we might be able to have an impact. So we wanted to move the scores where we thought we could help patients that there would be a revenue opportunity so that it would make sense for our practices and then also improve our scores. This is really important for us because we're involved in a lot of value-based contracts where if we're able to generate any savings, the extent to which we share in those savings are also determined in part by our quality scores. And when you're talking about savings, effectively what you mean by that is if we're talking about the cost of care of diabetes or, or value-based diabetes care, that if eye issues are detected too late, then they are in fact more costly than if you catch them earlier. And costly, not just in terms of the treatment, but also the impact that it has on patients' lives. So their ability to drive themselves to get to their other appointments, for example, their ability to read their medication labels to make sure that they're taking it correctly. So it's not just whether they're receiving pharmaceuticals or laser treatments, for example, but the overall effect on their health care. That's something that to a health system in this day and age right now actually is calculated. You know, in other words, if someone can't drive to their appointment, obviously that's a well-known social determinant of health. But it's also a cost that, you know, oftentimes falls to the community, not necessarily a health system. Are you seeing the effect of that? 
We are because they frequently then end up in our emergency room or admitted to our hospital. So if they're not able to get timely care in the community, they end up coming to our hospital anyway. We also work very closely with Uber to provide transportation for our patients. So that is a direct cost to our healthcare system in that we're providing the payment for those rides. Wow. So did you realize this prior to Iris helping you? I was going to say see, but that might be an ill-timed quip. You know, were you thinking along these lines prior to Iris arriving and thinking maybe we should go and seek out a solution to this issue? Or did Iris come in and say, hey, you guys should take a look at this? We were introduced to Iris at a conference and our executive director at the time met Lewis at a conference, was able to make that connection, followed up afterwards. Lewis and his team came to our site, gave a demo. Um, actually identified pathology in one of our demo participants. So this was a provider who was working on a clinically integrated network. She volunteered to have her eyes screened. We had the chair of ophthalmology in that room. He read the screen and he motioned to her to step outside and advise that she follow up with our ophthalmology group. So it was a series of coincidences that happened at that meeting, but the initial meetup was at a conference. Wow, that is a testament. Then where does the story go from there? So you decided to move forward with Iris. You know, obviously, they always say that one of the hardest parts about integrating a technology is changing workflows and getting everybody on board. How did you proceed? Sure. So first, we wanted to find the practices that would be most likely to succeed. So we're really careful about choosing those practices. We have about 100 ambulatory sites across the network. So we had a fair amount to choose from. We chose three larger practices because we wanted to make sure that if the pilot went well, that they would be able to afford the capital investment of buying the cameras. We also wanted to choose practices that were very engaged from the beginning as well. So we didn't want to have to fight that battle as well in terms of engaging them initially. We wanted folks who typically volunteer for pilots who are used to technology, who are interested in changing their workflow and adapting to how things change. So we identified three large primary care practices. We were able to cover the cost of the cameras initially through the ACO. So we tried to mitigate some of the risk for those primary care practices. They have a very small margin. And so the cost was really important to them. And then also we pulled lists of the patients with diabetes in each one of those practices. So we wanted to make sure that we had a large enough population to screen to make sure that we'd be able to see an impact. So you pulled the list, you talked to them. What were the goals that you articulated to practice leadership? You know, so you're having the conversation with these these practices day one. I'm not sure if they were at the, that initial demo or not. But like, how did you articulate the why so that they would say, yes, I, I want to proceed? Sure. So there are two very quantifiable aspects to our pilot that we were measuring. One was an increase in quality score. So we wanted to make sure that we could move the needle. There were some other quality initiatives that we had worked on that were successful in terms of engaging patients, but didn't necessarily impact our score. So we wanted to show that we could move that score. The second one was the business case. So we wanted to prove that the practices would be able to do enough screenings and get reimbursed at a rate that was high enough that they would be able to pay off the cost of the cameras at two years at the latest. And then a third element of that is a cultural aspect of LifeBridge Health, and that is the stickiness of the patient experience. We wanted something that would differentiate ourselves from the other healthcare systems within Baltimore. It's a very competitive market, and we wanted something that would show patients that we are adapting the way that we care for them, that we're being more convenient, more accessible to them, and that they would want to stay within our system for those reasons. 
the patients recognize the advantage there. They recognize the idea that, wow, this is going to save you driving across town to an ophthalmologist to get these checked. Absolutely. And so you'd mentioned social determinants earlier. This can be a big issue for our patients in this area, trying to get to the appointments, the transportation, taking time off from work to get to another appointment, an additional copay, having to call another office. All of these are additional barriers that sometimes prevent patients from getting the care that they need. If you are going to give advice to another practice, ACO, all of the above, provider organization, who is thinking about rolling out an initiative like this with IRIS or otherwise, what are your learnings here that you think it would be important to pass on? I think it's really important to have access to great data. So billing data can be a little bit messy, and we chose three different practices that use two different billing systems, and so that made things a little bit complicated on the back end just in terms of cleaning the data. It wasn't such a barrier that we wouldn't do it again, but it's something to consider. Also, having physician engagement. It's really important to have a champion within each one of those offices who will commit the office to achieving the goals. And then the third one is to really think about the time that your MAs have to spend on the screening. So if there's anything that you can implement before the start of your pilot to take some of the work off of the MA's shoulders, whether you can have somebody coordinate referrals on their behalf, for example, really make sure that they have the time in their day to conduct these screenings. Yeah, I could definitely see that that would be an issue that they're already running around to add another thing onto their day. Did, did they actually have to change how they did the scheduling in order to accommodate this extra? I'm not sure how long it takes. It takes about five minutes, so they didn't. But to your point about sometimes the providers are running late, this can actually be a great opportunity. So depending upon how the workflow is set up, if there's a standing order, the patient is roomed by the MA, the provider is running late, that the patient can get screened before they see the provider. If the provider is running on time, then the patient can get screened afterwards. We do have that flexibility, but it gives the patient something to do while they're waiting to be seen by the provider, which also increases your satisfaction scores. Win-win, because the patient's not waiting as long, you guys get paid, and actually they're getting a service that they really need. Exactly. Wow. Is there anything I didn't ask you that I really should have, Tiffany? <laughs> That's a great question. I would say I'd love to talk about our expansion strategy. Sure. So we implemented in primary care practices, and we're looking at doing it in several other ways. So one is to expand to our endocrinology practice. So of course, our endo providers see a lot of patients with diabetes. And they don't necessarily always have a firm connection to primary care. Of course, we love them too, but we know that's not always the reality. The second one is the ability for the cameras to move around among offices or to health fairs or to other screening opportunities. So the handheld devices are mobile. They don't necessarily have to be stagnant at a single practice location. And then the third one is potentially expanding to some other populations. So right now we're screening just our patients with diabetes, but we're looking at a couple of programs to expand to patients with hypertension for hypertensive retinopathy and then also patients with HIV. And is that going to matter? Obviously, with diabetes, there are a lot of value-based programs around diabetes. Is the expansion going to depend on sort of um, reimbursement that is bundled? I'm, I'm trying to avoid using that term, but can't seem to avoid it. You know, a bundle of reimbursement or a, a certain patient type that you're being paid a capitated amount for. You know, is the expansion kind of limited to that style of reimbursement or can it go beyond that? 
think it can go beyond that. So I think that we're a little bit in limbo right now where we're moving very quickly towards value-based contracts, but still the majority of our work is in the fee-for-service world. So the good thing about IRIS is that we're getting healthy reimbursement. It's a good use of our MA time. So it's about the same reimbursement as an EKG, but it takes less time. And so as we're moving towards these value-based contracts, in the meantime, there's a fee-for-service business model. There's also an opportunity to increase referrals to our ophthalmology group. So as we're thinking about moving forward with the clinically integrated network, tightening up the coordination of care, it's a good way to capture more patients and bring them into our network. Interesting. And do the ophthalmologists regard this as competitive? They don't. So they actually love it. And when we first introduced it to us, we immediately reached out and asked them what they thought of it. And they said that it was fun. And so that's been really helpful because they're able to read the scans very quickly and produce the reports easily in the IRIS platform. And so they're able to do this in between visits. So if they have 10 minutes or half an hour of downtime, they're able to read these reports, produce them, send them back to the PCP, call patients as necessary if there is severe pathology that's identified And we've seen this in terms of our turnaround times. So our average read time is about 14 hours, and that's taking into account the weekends as well. So that's the time from when the patient is screened in the PCP office to when the PCP receives the report back from our ophthalmology group. Thanks so much, both of you. That was Lewis Morrow from IRIS and Tiffany Wandy from LifeBridge Health. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, you will also find a complete listing of all of the shows that we have published thus far with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week, the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening.